everybody, and welcome to the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. We're come rain, shine, or anything in between. We're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside. Honor Valtazor. And if you can't tell, my voice is just a little bit shot because, well, we're actually going to cover it first. It is the women's catskitball team and their big, 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 big win over number four in the country, Iowa. Beat them within the last couple of seconds, 84 to 83. There was a little bit of a foul on the, the back end, but it was after the buzzer. And after that was settled, the Cats finally secured a gargantuan upset. Sandstorm was played. I obviously am having a little bit of issue <laughs> talking right now. It's uh, it's, it's not it's a great scene here. I'm having trouble talking in, in a good way. And this is a game that, man, it, I don't think we led until that last minute. I think we may have trailed the entire game. Um, pretty much, um, from what I could tell, I, I was multitasking watching this game. Uh, and so from what I could tell, most of the game, it seemed like K-State was either down by a decently sizable margin or like fighting its way back in. Uh, like they only had from what I recall, uh, a handful of leads. Um, if you go through the ESPN like score track, there were um, several times that case they got it down to like within one. Um, they took the lead briefly in the 50s and tied it a few times. But then after that, uh, they didn't take the lead until uh, there was hardly any time left. And it was because uh, they took the 82-81 lead with like a minute to go-ish. And then they... Take that 80-43 lead is four seconds left. So all in all, they maybe led for like 30 seconds in yeah. this game. They like didn't, if that. Yeah, they didn't lead for long. If And, you know, we, we're doing this so soon after that they don't even really, they don't have the stats up. We're going, they don't have the individual stats up. But what I can tell you is Serena Sundell played through, she absolutely gutted it out. Because I believe it was in the first quarter, she got taken down pretty hard off a, well, let's just say a, a questionable, questionable play by one of Iowa's players. She got knocked down, started grabbing at her throat, and then for a good maybe two or three minutes afterwards, looked like she was going to throw up. But after that, she really gutted through the rest of the game, was the leader that we really expect Serena Sundell to be. And one of the surprise performances is not necessarily Gabby Gregory because we're we're used to her performing at such a at such a high level. But Sarah Shamatsi came out of absolutely nowhere and was lethal from three. She had 18 points and all were threes. And I don't think she missed many either. I can remember her missing two. She shot 60% from three, six of ten from three. Okay. was her uh, her final stat line there. Yeah, that's still amazing from 3. And it was it was a gritty I I know this sounds like coach speak, but it was it was a remarkably gritty victory because there was never a game there was never a time that we felt really comfortable 
there was never a time that Iowa felt comfortable either. Even when they got out to, I think their largest lead was maybe by 11, 10 or 11. It was double digits. But, you know, the the Midi Cats, the women's basketball team, fought through adversity at home. Sandstorm was played. The environment was great. Students showed up. You know, when, when everyone got really into it, it got loud. I honestly thought there would be a court storming at one point because there were there were students who were talking about storming the court because, you know, it's number four in the country. But, yeah, I, I don't think we can really overstate how big a victory this is. Yeah, absolutely massive, especially when you consider that this game was originally scheduled to kind of be like this marquee showdown between arguably the two best uh, players in women's college basketball at the moment. Uh uh, at least two of the best, I should say. Yeah. Uh, Caitlin Clark and then Ayoka Lee. But Ayoka Lee being injured for this game kind of took some of the shimmer away from it. And, and it, it just kind of uh, um, kind of crept up, I think, a little bit more than if Ayoka Lee had been healthy um, and been able to play in this game. Ayoka Lee being healthy is an interesting hypothetical as well because yeah. then it makes you wonder... Uh, Do we case this by, Yeah, this case they went by even more if Aokali is healthy, and I think that's a, that's an interesting question to ask. But I, I, I'm not really sure how true that is. Um, but I, I was thoroughly impressed with this team and the broadcast during the game. Um, they weren't 100 percent sure from what I could tell, but they were indicating that this was probably the highest ranked win for k-state women's basketball ever um last year they took down number 10 baylor but they seem to indicate that taking down ap number four iowa was the highest ranked win uh for k-state women's basketball of all time uh which that that might be true i'm gonna yeah. say it as if it is because that sounds cool but <laughs> that benefits our narrative yes it does um, so I, yeah, I, I really only got to truly watch about the last two and a half minutes, like fully and be like completely undistracted. Um, but I, uh, I was very pleasantly surprised because I think that the big question mark coming into this season, uh, with the women's team was, were they going to really stand a shot without Aoka Lee in this game? proves without a doubt that this is not a team on life support without Aoka Lee. Mm-hmm. Uh, the addition of, Gra- of Gabby Gregory is absolutely massive. Um, and they, uh, they, they are a team to be reckoned with uh, in the big 12, this upcoming season, like the, the calculus just shifted a lot for expectations uh, this year for women's basketball. I mean, everything just changed. Yeah. And it's, it's really insane. (laughs) Like it's, it's a nutty victory. It really is. And, you know, we could probably spend the next 20 minutes just coming up with different superlatives for how, how big a win this is. But the last thing I'll say is, is similar to what, to what you said, this isn't a team on life support. You you have a lot of pieces. You have Serena Sundell, who's probably one of the best distributors in the Big 12, if not the country. And you have Sarah Shamatsi coming on as a, a deep threat. No, well, <laughs> wires crossed again as a threat from three. 
You have Gabby threat from deep. A threat from deep, yeah. And then you have Gabby Gregory, who's just a good all-rounder. And a bunch of like the Glenn twins played serviceably, even though was it Jalen? Jalen or Briley got into foul trouble. Uh, it was Briley. Yeah, Briley got a little bit of foul trouble. But this Eliza Moppin's coming on, and once she figures out like figures it out with her athleticism, the skies, the like her ceiling is Mars. <laughs> it's, yeah. Oh, this yeah. is this is such an exciting team. It's such an exciting team. Yeah, there there is so much to like here. I mean, Gabby Gregory going for twenty four, getting twelve of fourteen at the free throw line, uh, getting the announcer's curse late as well. Because uh, <laughs> who, who uh, what the um color uh commentator for ESPN Plus, uh, she was talking about how Gregory was like ten of ten at that point in the game and then she misses like her very next free throw i was yeah. like oh, of course of that's course, about say. right yeah. and gabby gregory gets to 24 yet went zero of six from three which in the early goings uh the three ball uh had been an effective weapon for her going four of 11 so 36 percent against wisconsin then two of four against central arkansas uh she's established herself as probably the go-to scorer on this team, although Serena Sundell also had 24, uh, did it a little bit more efficiently, although she went one of seven from three, but nine of 19 from the field, five to seven at the line. Uh, I mean, Serena Sundell, like we, we know that she's legit at this point. She, she, she is also really keeps getting beat up for no reason. I know. Yeah. We'll talk about they, this in the next game where I guess yeah. the previous game, but you know what yeah. I mean? Big 10 schools hate this point guard, but <laughs> I mean, it was really the show was Serena Sundell, Gabby Gregory, and Sarah Shamatsi. Uh, and then after that, everybody else was just kind of chipping in where they could. Um, but just, I mean, a, a fantastic game, borderline perfect. Uh, and Caitlin Clark, even though it felt like we subdued her for the most part, she still gets 27 and 10 rebounds uh, with seven assists. Uh, so Caitlin Clark of Iowa still gets hers. Uh I mean, she went six to 17 from the field two seven from three, but 13 to 16 at the free throw line. She was getting to the line at will really in this game. But I mean, any, I, I mean, beating the number four team in the country this early on in the year with uh, several new faces um, and still gelling and learning to live without Aoka Lee. It's an unbelievably impressive win from Jeff Mitty and the women's basketball team. I mean, uh, the this makes them a almost must see television uh, for K State fans at this point, uh, even without Aoki Lee, because then you can just consider next year when Yoki is back. Um, you can only hope that Gregory has another year of eligibility. I don't think she does. She may have a COVID year. I that that actually might be true. She may have a COVID year, and if we if things go well this year, then maybe she uses that. Because at that point, then this team truly is like that's a nightmare squad. As the, that's like a borderline Big Twelve front runner squad right there. Now I won't go quite as far as saying that, I guess, but there that'd be a very 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 talented squad. But I mean, I I mean, I I think that you and I can both agree that we didn't expect a victory against no. Iowa. No, I I. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I kind of expected us to get waxed. Yeah, I, I I think we'd be lying. Yeah, you and I both, if we we sat here and said that we thought that this would be the result, but uh, they got it out and get a, a huge win. 
cannot be overstated how big this win is. And K-State, I think they highlighted at the end of the broadcast, the difference was points off turnovers. K-State had like 22 or something like that to Iowa's eight. Um, That proved big down the stretch. But K-State, in terms of efficiency, didn't really shoot that well. They shot 41% from the field, 30% from three. Not phenomenal, really. Um, But they made their free throws, um, even though they made fewer than Iowa did. Iowa had um, six more makes at the free throw line seven more attempts but k-state what a game for the mini cats what a game yeah and we're we're gonna have to work backwards for the <laughs> the women's basketball team the other game that they had this week was oh wait no it wasn't this week it was last week it was last friday that was yeah. man that's weird to think about it wins eyes so quick but on Veterans Day, up in American Family Field in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which is the Brewers Stadium, the Midi Cats went up against the – oh, boy, it's a struggle. The Midi Cats went up against the Wisconsin Badgers, who, man, before – we they ended up winning, or K-State ended up winning, I should say, 77-63, to really running away with it in the fourth quarter. But, man, Wisconsin doesn't – like Wisconsin was throwing elbows, man. Wisconsin was mean. <laughs> yeah, it was it was uncalled for, uh, uh, to say the least. <laughs> they, uh, um, because I I remember it wasn't really commented on that much. I I remember I was at the laundromat doing laundry, and I like had like my earbuds in, was like watching this game while like my laundry was going, and like the Big Ten Network announcers. Uh, I remember like like their their forward just like very like blatantly throws a wild elbow uh, at Serena Sundell and they're just like, oh yeah, that's not malicious. Like like that, that's just a normal part of the game. And I it, to me like just seeing it, it felt like in that moment I was like that that seemed a little dirty to me. And uh, she ultimately played through it uh, after having to take a couple minutes on the sideline. Um, but I mean, yeah, this was a big win for K-State because they went down early and after the first quarter they were trailing 23 or yeah 23 to 13 and it, it wasn't looking good uh for a while at one point they were down 27 to 14 um but K-State clawed their way back into this game cut the deficit to three by half um and then by the end of the third quarter it was tied and then they exploded in the fourth quarter um, had a massive fourth quarter, went on a huge run at one point, and by the end, they end up winning by 14. Uh, so fantastic game uh, for the Midi Cats to show a lot of perseverance and grit in a very strange environment, playing in a literal a baseball, baseball stadium. Like, that unusual at best uh, and then take down a big 10 opponent uh granted wisconsin was picked to finish i think second to last in the big 10 but regardless that's a non-conference power five win in a really weird space so there that counts for something and it still goes in the w column obviously not as big as the iowa win that they just have which is why we put it out out of chronicle chronological order yeah. just because the iowa win is really big enough to tee off the show uh yeah. But it's um, 
a big time win. Gabby Gregory had 25 in this game. Serena Sundell had 17. Uh, Serena Sundell, seven assists to two turnovers in this game as well. Then Bradley Glenn added four steals. Sarah Shamatsi had three steals. Um, and then Jalen Glenn added 16 points off the bench and 31 quality minutes. Uh, so, oh, and then Gabby Gregory and Serena Sundell were both each one rebound away from a double double. Uh, so, a really, really nice performance. And they kept turnovers pretty low, just 12. Um, maybe I'm saying that just relative to the men's team because of how much they've been turning it over. But, yeah. Um, uh, what are your thoughts on the, uh, on, on this game, Ace? You know, it's, it's another example to me of, of the core we have being solid because, you know, that, and it's also another example of this team not being one to give up. I mean, last year, I'm not going to say we ever gave up because I don't think that's true, but there were times when, you know, whenever we were, we got into a rut, it didn't feel like we could get out. Look at the, the Texas tech game and the KU game in Lawrence last year, the ones in a, in Lubbock and then Lawrence, I should say the games where we started slow and then we just couldn't dig ourselves out of the hole. This one, we ended up going in the first quarter. We were, we ended up being down 23 to 13. And then, you know, we end up winning every single quarter afterwards and exploding in the fourth. This is a team that it, it doesn't have any quit in it. And Gabby Gregory scoring 25, Serena Sundell 17. If those two constantly go off and keep their current level of play, we only really need one other player a game to to contribute and get into double digits. For Wisconsin, it was Jalen Glenn off the bench. For Iowa, it was Sarah Shamatsi. And Sarah Shamatsi actually started in the Wisconsin game. She was only one for seven. But, you know, it's this core... Uh, especially Gregory and Sundell, it it's it's lethal. It's it's a great core. Yeah, they are showing to be a very dynamic scoring duo, which is exactly what this team needed: is someone to step up and fill the scoring void left by Ayoka Lee. Um, and if they can get to the point where they have Serena Sundell doing as good or better than she did last year. Uh, Gabby Gregory doing what she's doing and then just get one more role player to have a good game every night, then this is going to be a very dangerous team to stop. Uh, I mean, it doesn't have to be Sh- Sarah Shamatsi every night. It-, it can be one of the Glenn twins. It could be Emily Ebert. Uh, it could be Eliza Moppin when she's ready. Um, there- there's plenty of people. Who could- I-, I don't really care who's scoring a lot. I just yeah. want someone to do it. But Just, just score, baby. Yeah, but... Now the the versatility I think is a a big thing to know early, and they're they're going to deal with a ton of adversity early in the season. They already have been, so it's it, it's been very satisfying to see them be able to fight through it and get to one of the most well earned three and zero records uh, that I've uh, seen in quite some time. Yeah, and I we got to this this uh, this three and zero record after the the Fort Hayes exhibition that scared me. I was at that game. That wasn't a fun one. There was there was a yeah. lot of times I was it was just there was a lot of questions. It's a yeah. lot of questions. Yeah. 64 63. Uh or uh 74, 74 63. 63. Yeah. Um 
that a lot closer than that should have been. Uh, and they did pull away, but that also indicates that the game was uh, um, close. fairly close. Yeah, it was fairly close for a while, but they have at least thus far figured it out. I want to see uh, this Jeff Mini team peak at the right time, uh, which it's hard to do that again after beating number four Iowa. But um, they'll hopefully have more opportunities down the stretch because they're going to be playing great teams like Texas and Iowa State and Baylor. Uh, multiple times each this year. Uh, Iowa State in particular. Uh, the state of Iowa, just unbelievable in women's basketball right now. Yeah. Uh, so uh, already took down one of them. Going to have to try and uh, get payback uh, for Iowa State for last year in Bramlage. Um, but this team's potential right now, they've displayed that it is through the roof. Um, and I, 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 my expectations are raised at this point. Uh I, because we were kind of questioning before the season if this team is going to make the tournament, uh, March Madness. And I think that we can safely say that they should they at should. this point. If they're going to beat Iowa, no reason that they shouldn't be able to to make it to the NCAA tournament. Because uh, NCAA tournament will be filled with a lot of teams that are nowhere near as good as Iowa. So, not because Iowa is a really good team. Yeah. So, yeah. So after those two games, the next game that we play is actually the day this comes out in a genius move of scheduling. We play three times in what, five days? Wait. Yeah, we play three times in four days. And you ended up saying it was what, six times in nine days? Yeah. They have an absolute gauntlet uh, through Thanksgiving because um, they take down Iowa. Um, and then uh, they play at Iowa Thursday, November 17th at 8 p.m. It was a little bit after 8, actually. Yeah. I mean, more like 8.30. And they uh, then turn around and less than 24 hours later, uh, host UTRGV uh, at 6.30 on November 18th, Friday. And then a little under two days later, they host Utah Tech. And then they get uh, probably a day or two off and they travel to the Virgin islands. Uh, and then they're going to play three games in three days against Clemson, Northern Arizona and Arkansas in the paradise jam, which is a great opportunity. But when you chart it all out, (laughs) when you chart it all out, they are playing, uh, six games in nine days, which is a heavy burden. I don't know why we're playing games on back-to-back days. Maybe they're trying to prepare for the paradise jam, but, why do back to back with Iowa? Like, like I mean, coming off the emotional high of that uh, victory, uh, that's a that's a lot to rebound for uh, for tomorrow. That's yeah. a so we'll, we'll, hopefully it's not a letdown game. Um, but hey, if you're gonna start out a nine day stretch of six games, better start out with a win over the fourth ranked team in the country because uh, uh, that's probably the hardest game out of the way. So yeah. Yeah, that that might well be the 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 hardest team that we'll face. But yeah, next up is the men's basketball team, and they had two games since we last recorded. They also had a game on Veterans Day last week, and that was up against the Cal Golden Bears. Uh, this one, K State ended up winning sixty three to fifty four. But um, 
Well, first off, the Cal fan who really thought he could talk, it was really satisfying hearing him not talk anymore. That was awesome. But <laughs> I'm sorry, he was annoying. But it, it, he wasn't even annoying in the way that he was good at trash talking. He actually sucked at trash talking. But, like, he really thought he was good. He was one of those. But wow. I, I, I digress. Uh, K-State <laughs> K-State ended up winning 63-54. to 54. And, you know, Cal's not a great team. They, they're not. They lost to UC Davis for the first time. I think that was UC Davis's first time beating them in something like 10, 15 years or something like that. It may have been more. But yeah. it was... It was a game that had a lot of slow moments, was probably a lot closer than it actually should have been because we had lulls in scoring where, like, for as exciting as this team can be, as exciting as it can get, there are times, at least so far, every single game where it kind of feels like the entire team is taking a nap and it kind of saps the energy out of not only the team but the crowd. Maybe that's looking ahead a bit too much to the the UKC game. But the starting five was Keontae Johnson, KJ, ended up playing 33 minutes, 16 points, a block, a steal, assist, nine boards, so one away from a double-double. Then, of course, Keys played 34 minutes, Marquise Noel played 34 minutes, 13 points, seven assists, three steals, including a bunch of like really sick stylist passes, passes because that's just what Marquise does. <laughs> uh, yeah. Naquan Tomlin. The guy with the highest ceiling on the entire team played 26 minutes, 11 points, two blocks, one steal, and uh, a couple yams. Yeah, he uh, obviously he and Marquise had the, the big highlight dunk that made it onto the uh, Sports Center top ten, which we'll we'll have another comment about uh, Sports Center top ten with Marquise Noel uh, a little later. But yeah, and then Cam Carter played 20 minutes, four points. Uh, <clears throat> had foul trouble, got four fouls. Then David Gasson, 14 uh, minutes, uh, three boards, three turnovers, two points. So not a great day for Gasson, but uh, you have the, the bench players. Yeah. Uh, Tyke Green played 20 minutes and had eight points, uh, three of six from the field, one of four from three, three rebounds, no assists, and one turnover. So... Didn't really stuff the stat sheet, but did what he needed to do. Uh, did he catch a lob in this game? I think he did. Yeah, I think he's got. I think he's got one in every game uh, thus far. I, I don't remember exactly. Uh, he may not have uh, against uh, KC, but um, you know, Tyke Green has been a welcome addition thus far. Uh, Desi Sills played 29 minutes. Uh, had four points, one of four from the field, two of two from the free throw line, six rebounds, uh, and then a block and a steal. No assists and no turnovers for Desi Sills, which is interesting. Uh, Ish Masood only played nine minutes. Uh, he made a three, and uh, that was all. He shot 20% from the field, 33% from three, had three points, two rebounds, uh, and three turnovers and a steal. Uh, and then uh, Abayami Ishiola, Bebe, had two points on one of four from the field, two rebounds, two fouls, an assist, two turnovers. Uh, so not earth-shattering numbers from the uh, bench players there. Tyke Green played a solid game. We didn't see Dorian Finister in this game either. Um, Desi Sills a little bit underwhelming with 29 minutes of action. Uh, but then again, the team really got carried by uh, 
their their stars uh, with Keontae Johnson, Marquise Noel, and Naquan Tomlin uh, leading the charge in this one. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like that's something that this team will have to learn to do because it seems like, and granted, KJ is an amazing player. Keontae Johnson is, is an absolutely amazing player. But it seems like at this point, whenever we're down, it seems like he's the one that has to bail us out, except for Marquise on the four-point play. But it's either him or KJ that are constantly bailing us out of holes, which, you know, that isn't bad in the early in the early stages. You just, again, want to see one more player consistently contributing. It's like like how we talked about with the women's squad. You know, you have Sundell and, and Gregory, but there's always at least one third. Like, there's always a third player that's that always contributes double digits. This time, it, it was Naquan, but even then, he went a little bit quiet. It, we just... This is a team that it can't afford to go quiet as or at least as quiet as it did in the middle of, of the second half. You're not going to win games like that. It, the reason why Cal probably didn't beat us is because we recovered a little bit. And also Cal is bad. <laughs> yeah, Cal is not a good team. Uh, but yeah, I, I think you're right. This is that's not a sustainable way of playing games. Uh, you can't get up by 20 and let the and let the lead get cut to one. Uh, that That's just completely unacceptable uh 15 turnovers just nine assists for k-state in this game uh coming off of a 25 assist performance it was a little bit disappointing to see assists that low they did force 22 turnovers of cal and had 19 points off turnovers which is good um, they had five fast break points as well including uh the massive dunk on the behind the back pass from marquise noel naquan tomlin which that's the upside of this team while they definitely go through major offensive lulls where they really just get in a rut and just cannot get anything going. Uh, when they are firing all cylinders, they are so much fun to watch. I mean, uh, when they get into transition, this is such an athletic team. And they every time that they get into transition, they're headed down the floor. I fully expect an unbelievable dunk or alley-oop uh, or just something crazy to happen. And... More than often, it actually does. Yeah. So, so you're not I, wrong. You're not yeah, wrong. That gets reinforced. Um, but yeah, I was pleased with some of this game, but left worried with some of it. I'm I'm not gonna hit the panic button on a road win against the Power Five, even if this Power Five team is bad. They just lost to uh, UC San Diego, um, and they're now zero and three. They're they're not a good team, but it's still hard to go on the road and win anywhere, um, especially when you have as many new faces as we have. Uh, then you have still have a guy like Desi Sills. It's literally been on campus for a month at the most. Uh, Keontae Johnson, you still got here late-ish, um, or at the very least wasn't really integrated as early um, just because of his late later commitment. Yeah, but. There's a lot of room for this team to grow. And if you're going to have growing pains, now is the perfect time to do it. So I, yeah, there's frustrating moments with this team, but I mean, that's, that's what it's like watching a team grow up in real time and learn how to uh, play together uh, in the best way possible. There's going to be growing pains and there's going to be moments that make you want to rip your hair out, but the highs are so high with this team. They, 
they flash their potential very often. And that, that also rang true for uh, the KC game. But I don't want to get into that unless you're ready for it. I'm ready to go for it. <clears throat> yeah. The next game was a home game up against the UKC. It's it's so weird not calling them UMKC. So used to that. The the UKC ruse. The K State Wildcats ended up overtaking them, sixty nine to fifty three. Very nice score, and it was, you know, it. This was another game that. Well, yeah, no, no. We'll start with this. It it. I'm not going to lie to you. It kind of felt like nap time for the majority of the game. Like the middle of the game kind of felt like nap time to me. And I think it was because of the amount of media timeouts and also the amount of regular timeouts and also the amount of fouls. It it all just kind of stacked up on one another to where it seemed like the clock was moving at in five second intervals. It was... Mm -hmm. It was it was a bit of a snoozer, which is a shame for a team that's so exciting. But the starters were KJ. He ended up playing 35 minutes, 19 points, seven boards, six assists, three turnovers, two steals. Cam Carter had himself a coming out game. He played 35 minutes, 16 points, three boards, was four of seven from three, and was lights out when we needed him to be from three. Marquise Noel played 34 minutes, nine points, one of four from three, four of four in his free throws, six assists, only one turnover and three steals. Naquan Tomlin, 26 minutes, nine points, seven boards, uh, four turnovers, and three steals. Then finally, to wrap up the starting five, it was Abayami Ijiola, who was unfortunately 0 of 5 from the field, but got three boards, played really good defense. Abayami is kind of you know, the defensive specialist as a big kind of reminds me a little bit of, of St. Miguel's role last year and that they were exceptional on defense and offense was a bit hit or miss. I know they play different positions. I'm well aware, but it, it's the, it's the stylistic comp really. Yeah, that's fair. And then of course you can't talk about KJ and Marquise without talking about the, uh, between the legs, uh, pass from Marquise to Keontae for one of the most thunderous dunks that has ever been heard in Bramlage. Yeah. I mean, I mean that, that was a yam. I mean, that in terms of uh, ferocity is right up there with the uh, uh, the Cardi uh, windmill dunk. Um, trying to think about others in terms of like violent dunks. Uh, there's probably a Bill Walker dunk that I'm not thinking of. Although I think maybe the one I'm thinking of happened in Baylor, like on the road. But regardless, it was one of the most violent dunks that I've seen uh, from a K-State player in a very long time. And then the pass was just as good. It's happening once a week at this point. Uh, that that was a treat to watch. Um, and, and then Keontae Johnson opened the game as well with a uh, um excellent alley-oop dunk where you had to like kind of reach back for it and bring it forward Keontae Johnson's just such an unbelievable athlete I mean if you can keep churning out games like this he's gonna really take this team somewhere yeah. uh just but the rest of the team does need to get a bit more consistent which we can talk more broadly about that after I uh read off the bench players Desi still was far and away the best bench player. He had 11 points on four of nine shooting three of four at the free throw line, two rebounds, two fouls, uh, five assists and two turnovers. David Gasson 
relegated from his starting position uh, to coming off the bench. He had three points in 16 minutes, made one field goal, one of two at the free throw line, had six rebounds. Four of those rebounds were offensive rebounds, uh, then had three turnovers, a block, and a steal. Tyke Green had two points in six minutes, one of four from the field. Uh, then he also had four fouls in six minutes, which is kind of surprising. I did not notice that before. Uh, had two turnover, or one turnover, I should say, and then two steals. And Dorian Finister played two minutes and had a single rebound, and that was it for him. Uh, team um, had a really good first half offensively, 48% from the field, 43% from three, uh, and then eight of nine at the free throw line. Second half, really poor uh, offensive half, 0 of four from three. Uh, 11 to 31 from the field, 35.48%. Uh, really not a, uh, not a great second half at all. Uh, after a, for the most part, dominant first half, uh, it's clear that the, uh, defense of Kansas city, as well as their size, uh, was really, uh, throwing us off because Casey, uh, they were a huge team. Uh, I mean, they just had tall guys everywhere. They really matched up with us well in that regard. Which, to be fair, most teams will not be as big uh, <laughs> as uh, Casey was. So we at least don't have to worry about that. But um, regardless, this team has a lot of work to do uh, in the half-court offense, which a, a lot of people have been saying that. It's not like a new take or anything. But yeah. it's uh, uh, they, they still obviously have a lot of work to do offensively and even defensively at times. Yeah. And Tang gave a reason for the the relative, I guess, I called it nap time. I'm struggling to come up with another word. Slow, I guess, would be another way to describe it. The, the slow pace, the lack of energy, I think, is how he put it. Uh, apparently, the flu's going around on the team. So hopefully that, that doesn't affect the, the Cayman Islands classic. Yeah, right? yeah hopefully not. Uh, yeah, for, uh, the Cayman Islands Classic. Yeah, that's the men. The women are in the Paradise, the Paradise Jam. Jam. Yeah, so. that's yeah, that's where I, the wires are getting crossed. Because if I had a nickel for, if I had a nickel for every time, <laughs> yeah. every time a K State basketball team in 2022 had a Caribbean Island pre or preseason invitational tournament, I'd have two nickels. Which isn't a lot, but it's weird that it's happened twice. It's weird it happened twice. <clears throat> um. Yeah, uh, it definitely was a bit of a snoozer in the second half, uh, despite there at times being some really exciting basketball being played. To be fair, a lot of the reason that this was a snoozer at times was because it felt like we were really struggling to finish at the rim, mm-hmm. uh, uh, missing a lot of open layups, um, just not quite finishing. There was specifically a, I think it was Desi Sills missed a layup on a fast break. And Naquan Tomlin was right there for the putback, and then he missed the putback. And I was like, "Man, come on! I like that's that's like your thing. Like you can't miss that." And uh, that was frustrating. But I mean, regardless, they still, while playing, honestly, frustrating. I would say they they still won by sixteen. Yeah, which which is a good sign that when they're playing to a level that we we know for a fact that they can do better than they still uh, win comfortably uh, on the final scorecard. Granted, this game did get to single digits for a very short amount of time in the second half, 
Uh, it was kind of going back and forth between eight and 10 for a while, but uh, K-State still managed to push it out a little bit. Um, and they also forced 22 turnovers uh, for Kansas City. They had K-State themselves at 14. They did up their assists. Uh, they had 18 on the day. Keontae with his six and then Marquise with his six as well. Marquise right now has got to be close to leading the country in assists to turnover ratio individually because yeah. <clears throat> uh, he's really only had like one or two assists or one or two turnovers in every game thus far. So it's been it's been really great for him. Uh, and his his uh, court vision and ability to fit a pass into a tight window. Uh, just a lot of really fun jaw-dropping moments happen when you watch uh, the K-State men's basketball team. And there's going to be a lot of moments of frustration too. But again, we already said this. That's just kind of what's going to happen for a while with this team. But they, but in college basketball, you just have to get hot at the right time. I mean, if you can get hot at the end of February going into March Madness, I mean, like that's that's when teams that have solid regular seasons make surprise elite eight rounds. So it, you just have to win like four games in a row to get to that point. So, I mean, I just get hot at the right time. I'm sure this team, that's a big goal of this team is to get all that down to a science because if you peak too early, then you flame out uh, once you get to the tournament. But I mean, regardless, this has been at least at times a fun team to watch. Uh, Drum Tang, I think he put it well in his in his uh, post game presser that this team still isn't playing with the necessary intensity for the full game. Um, we a lot of it seems like twenty points is about the magic number in uh, normal games. Uh, that didn't seem to bother them in the first regulation game that they've played, but. A lot of that may have just been the excitement of that being the first game. Um, but in the two games we've seen since then, once they kind of hit that 20-point lead in the second half mark, uh, then they kind of let off the gas a little and don't seem to be as in tune. Uh, they play really good first halves from what we can tell. So I don't know, I don't know what we'll, we'll see in the future, but uh, the next few weeks will be very telling for this basketball team. Yeah. Which, speaking of, the next time that the men's team will be playing will be in the Cayman Islands Classic. The Anna firstly playing Rhode Island on Monday, then Nevada and Tulane, or Tulane on Tuesday, then to be decided on Wednesday. All of those will be on Flow Hoops, whatever that is. <laughs> um, I, I'm sure... I would obviously never, never advocate for this, but you know, I, I'm sure that somewhere up the stream, there's a, there's a way that you could find this. I'd, you know, maybe there's a way that you may be able to stream, <laughs> just, uh, just find a way to get flow basketball. <clears throat> yeah. You may have to sail ways to, uh, to find it, but yeah, just like how, uh, the Cayman islands are a little bit away. You gotta, you kind of sail the, gotta sail the sea there. Yeah, but, you may have to dig for some buried treasure to find it, but yeah, exactly. There, there's a chance it may come away with an eye patch and a pig leg, but yeah, I mean they'll play Rhode Island uh, to start off the Cayman Islands Classic. Uh, Rhode Island is, to put it mildly, not good. Um, they do have a win over Stony Brook, but they lost to Quinnipiac. Um, not a good team. The next game they have either Nevada or Tulane. Um, I don't think the Kempom for either of those teams is particularly high, uh, but regardless, they're still G5s worth noting. 
And then there's the to be determined game on Wednesday. And for that, best guess is you're probably facing LSU in that game. Uh, But uh, it remains to be seen. Uh, LSU is an interesting team. Um, I I, I guess you could put it like that. Um, They uh, do share a uh, common opponent with us, um, actually, because they played uh, um, Kansas City um, and won by 11. Uh, Mm. So uh, we do have that common opponent uh, with them. Um, So there's something to keep in mind. And then also they're in a a kind of similar situation as us with getting a new coach in. They they actually had more roster turnover because they lost everybody. Everyone, yeah. So... And we um, actually have one of their players, but he's redshirting. Yes, no, which is a, a shame because he was so much fun in the uh, the exhibition. But yeah, yeah, yeah. That's men's basketball. Going to wrap it up by talking about women's volleyball. Uh, first is their matchup up against West Virginia, who's not good. <laughs> we ended up sweeping them three zero. Sets went 25-19, 25-22, and then 25-16. It, yeah, it was, there's not a lot to say because West Virginia's not good. They weren't good when we played them in Morgantown. They weren't really good here either. I mean, they're they're 7-18 and 18 and haven't won a Big 12 game for a reason. It's, it's, it's a tough scene. It's a tough scene for West Virginia. Yeah, they are zero and uh, fourteen with uh, two matches left. One on the road against uh, Texas Tech, and then uh, Texas at home. So they they're they're not winning that one. Yeah, they I guess they maybe stand a shot against Tech, um, but uh, they're not beating Texas. So that you're you're looking at a team that is more than likely going to finish winless in Big Twelve play, which is a remarkable achievement. Uh, in the worst way possible. Yeah. Um, notable stats. Honestly, there aren't really many uh, yeah. going down the line. Uh, most of K-State um, played fine in this game. It's more notable that West Virginia had t- almost as many attacking errors as they had kills. So their team hitting percentage was 1%. Uh, they uh, played to their record. Uh, I suppose is maybe the way to look at that. But the kills were spread around for K-State. Nobody hit even close to uh, double figures. And Mackenzie Morris had 15 digs. Lauren Hinkle had 22 sets. I mean, it was a pretty short match all in all. So yeah. nothing really to write home about. Uh, Sydney Boulding had four aces. Uh, just one error. Uh, good for her. I have nothing else to say about this <laughs> match other than we dominated a bad team. Yeah. Which, you know win the ones you're supposed to, I guess. Then the next game, yeah, unfortunately, it was up against Oklahoma in Manhattan. K-State ended up falling 3-1. to one. Oklahoma won the first and second sets 25-15, to 15, then 25-23. to 23. K-State won the third 25-23. Then Oklahoma won the final set 25-23. to 23. I remember in the first quarter... I think one of the referees ended up having a health issue and had yeah. to leave. Um, shame. I really hope, I really hope they, they get well soon, but 
you know, that that arguably is probably the only notable thing that happened, at least from a K-State perspective, this match. Because it was a yeah. uh, – we won a set, but it this was a stinker. This <laughs> – yeah, and it was a kind of a microcosm of the season. It felt like where I think both the sets um, that we lost close twenty five twenty three, um, they uh, were sets that we did lead. Um, I think I know the fourth set we led that set late into the set and ended up blowing it, um, and also kind of wasted some really good performances. Uh, Sydney Bolding was fantastic; had twenty four attack attempts, eleven kills, and just one error. Um, and then also had seven blocks. Uh, really, really, really great day for Sydney Boulding. Um, Elena Baca was also really good. 11 to uh, 16 uh, attack attempts, 11 kills, two errors, eight digs, hitting 563. Aaliyah Carter had probably her best match in quite some time uh, and went 47 attack attempts, 18 kills, 10 errors, uh, and eight digs. Did have four receiving errors, though. Uh, and then Shaley Myers had 17 attack attempts, seven kills, two errors, hitting 294. Uh, so it was uh, all around uh, a fairly like solid offensive night for some individuals on K-State, especially Sydney Bolding. She was pretty dominant in the middle for a few sets. Um, but I mean, it just a this was kind of a this was a match that K-State could not afford to lose. Um, but we continue to see things plague them like a uh, defense um, at times, just really not there. Morgan Bergens of OU hitting 667 uh, on the day, uh, just absolutely dreadful uh, numbers to allow. Um, and just ultimately like just couldn't hang on when they needed to uh, because they had opportunities to win this one uh, and they just weren't quite able to, to get it done. Uh, so really frustrating at this point it's going to take a miracle for them to make it to postseason play. Um, there's some games left, uh, three, um, to be specific. Um, so I mean, obviously you have to win out, but even if you do win out, there's no guarantee that you would get in. And I, I'd say that the chances of you getting in with a win with winning out are really slim anyways, but yeah. That's uh, the three remaining matchups are TCU in Fort Worth, Texas Tech in Manhattan next Wednesday, TCU Saturday, uh, November 19th, and then November 26th, which is next Saturday against Baylor down in Waco. If you win out, maybe, but yeah, it's because if, if you win out, that's a you do at least get an away win at will probably be a ranked Baylor squad. Yeah. But at that point, I don't know if you've done enough. I mean, because if you go back through the season, uh, you um, look at how you had, you, you blew the a whole match to TCU. Um, you blow a whole match to KU. You blow a couple of matches um, at a neutral site against uh, Creighton and uh, Rice. I mean, you had opportunities uh, throughout this season after starting hot to acquire more uh, high-level victories, but I mean, they, I mean, they they performed well against teams that were objectively worse than them. 
performed generally poorly against teams that were objectively better than them and then just kind of split the difference on teams that were around the level that they are. And that balances out to an average team that probably shouldn't be in postseason play. Maybe that changes because, I mean, they they do have a nice road win against Iowa State who will be in the tournament. But I, I, I just don't think this team has done enough. I don't either. I I was kind of surprised when they made the tournament last year, and they were I they were better was, last year. <laughs> I was shocked that they made the tournament last year. Uh, which, to be fair, they deserved it the most the year that they were the first team out. I felt because I felt like they were a legitimately really good team that year, um, despite being so young. But I guess that's the frustrating thing is they were so young then, and despite that, they just haven't really improved all that much. Um, despite being such a young team a couple of years ago, it, it feels like there hasn't been a ton of development. I mean, they, they're kind of treading water, I guess, in that regard, which, I mean, we've had this women's volleyball discussion multiple times at this point. Yeah. And so I, I, I just don't know what else to say at this point, other than I'm fairly disappointed with the outcome of the season, even though the roster was slim. Um, it's really frustrating that we didn't build a, deeper and more complete team around some of the talent that we have. Cause I mean, we clearly have talented players on this team, like Aaliyah Carter, who even though has been having a weird season, we do know is talented. Uh, Sydney Bolding uh, has been really good this year. Mackenzie Morris is really good. Um, and then Elena Baca um, at times has struggled, but when she's been on, she's been on. So it's frustrating that we didn't build a more complete team. Uh, this year, maybe the move to the new facility will change things. Hopefully, but we'll, I guess we shall see next year. But yeah. I would imagine that this it, most likely this team has three matches left uh, for its season. Yeah, but yeah, that pretty much wraps up the uh, weekly recap segment, which now leads us to everyone's favorite, the wacky segment of the week. And for this week, we are picking three current K-State athletes to go on a cross-country road trip with. Uh, Okay, genuine question. This does change my answer. Uh, Are we starting in California or are we starting in Maine? Um, I'm going to say start in Maine. Start in Maine? Okay. Well, if that's the case... I think I am going to, with the first overall pick in the (laughs) cross-country road trip draft, the Kansas City Aces select Marquise Noel because we can drive through New York and he can have a little bit of a homecoming right at the beginning and then just ride with the vibes the rest of the way. Do you want to do this draft style? Do you (laughs) want? Um, sure. Asked, huh? sure. Yeah. Yeah. We can do the straps. <laughs> All right. My bad. <laughs> That's fine. Okay. Um, I thought about this long and hard. Um, but for my first pick, I am going to take Cade Warner. Um, mainly because he's always touted as having one of the best football minds of any player on the team. And also, he always seems to be putting like funny questions out on Twitter. So I feel like he'd make a good road trip partner for for that reason. So I'll I'll, I'll say Cade Warner. That is a good one. That is a very very good one. 
Uh, for the number two overall pick for me, I'm going to pick Kobe Savage, you know, maybe give him a little bit of time to rest. Like we can, you know, again, the car, the, the car that I'm going to have is basically just going to be a nonstop hype train the entire way. Like it, w- one of us may have our adrenal glands burst just from the, the absolute chaotic and exciting vibes during the, the entire road trip. But second overall pick is Kobe Savage. That's a fantastic pick uh, for you. Um, So that brings me to my second pick. And I, I did a lot of thinking on this as well. Um, Mainly considering what sport, like if I should delve into, um, into others, um, or if I should just like remain in the main ones. Um, and I was seriously considering adding uh, post players for football or for basketball, I mean, but I felt like they would get really cramped sitting in the car for so long. Yeah. So for for their, for Naquan Tomlin's sake, I'm not drafting him because I think <laughs> his, his knees would really hurt after this. So I, I, I will not be taking Naquan Tomlin, although I seriously considered it. Um, I am going to roll with, uh, a similarly large human, but not quite as large as a basketball post player. I'm going to say Will Howard. You're going to play Will. All right. Yeah. And yeah, we might be able to take him through his hometown uh, on the way through. Yep. That'd, that'd be great. Uh, so my, my final pick for my car, you know, I, in order to to save some of our adrenal glands, I have to pick someone who's a bit more relaxed, a bit more chill. And someone I've also talked to before, I'm going to end up picking Christian Moore just because he's a really cool guy, really chill, really laid back. So, you know, maybe, maybe he gets really annoyed with the fact that there are three. Connor, you've never been on a road trip with me. I, uh, maybe someday that'll change, but the, <laughs> I, I'm not necessarily excitable, but if I find one thing to be excited about, I'm excited about it for like three hours. So (laughs) I'm a very simple man. So my car is going to be me, Marquise Noel, Kobe Savage, and Christian Moore. Who's topping off your car? Yeah. Well, I've now taken uh, a a handful of... uh... Of football players offensive football players did that so i, I want to try and diversify the sports that i'm picking from uh so i am rolling with kaylin culpepper for my uh my final choice that's a great choice because uh, then we we get like a a good pit stop in like every like broad region of the united states where you get Downington, Pennsylvania with uh, Will. You get Memphis with Kalen Culpepper. And then you get Arizona uh, with Cade Warner. And then I guess we get a wild card location as well. Yeah. And then I, I feel like that would be a, a fun group uh, to to roll across the country with. Um, so that, that, that rounds out mine. Um, but, um, maybe maybe in the future we can we can make a bigger car. And <laughs> we'll take, take a bus. I will take a bus yeah, instead. <laughs> I mean, like a like a seven round draft or something like that. <laughs> Snake draft, yeah, fantasy draft. <laughs> <clears throat> Do you have anything else to to wrap up the episode? Um, 
just uh we did not mention uh, and i almost forgot uh because it's been so long since it happened uh but and we we honestly may have mentioned this last week at this point but uh, the wisconsin victory for the uh, women's basketball team was uh their 1000th win in program history and Okay, good thing I remembered that. Uh, yeah, one thousandth win in program history is a victory over over Wisconsin, and then of course they get one thousand and one against Iowa, and talk about a fantastic one thousand and one victory, um, just for program history. Uh, and then I think Mitty got six hundred as well. Yeah. Um, uh, one of the earlier games, so just a lot of milestones. Uh, for the uh, women's basketball program uh, at this time. Yeah. So please support the the women's basketball team because because they deserve it and and support the shows that that talk about them all the time. You know they're because the the basketball team isn't isn't a fad. They play all year. They don't just play whenever they you know they beat a good team. They they play all year and they really are worthy of your support because they're. They're a great squad. They're an exciting squad. And yeah, that's that's pretty much all I have to say. So thank you for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. If you want to contact the show, you can follow us on Twitter at Aggieville Cats. That's capital A, capital A, and capital C in cats. If you want to email us, we're Aggieville Alley Cats at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on a more personal note, I am at ACEdwards00. I am at Connor Balthazor, capital C, capital B. And if you want to support the show financially, please be sure to check out the official Aggieville Alley Cats merch store, where you can find such designs as the staff-approved Doom Tang Clan, Play Sandstorm Cowards, or Neon Alley Cats. But most importantly, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. Stay safe, Alley Cats.